This is Laura Lummer, the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach. I'm a healthy lifestyle coach, a clinical Ayurveda specialist, a personal trainer, and I'm also a breast cancer survivor. In this podcast, we talk about healthy thinking and mindfulness practices, eating well, moving your body for health and longevity, and we'll also hear from other breast cancer survivors who have re-engaged with life and have incredible stories to share. This podcast is your go-to resource for getting back to life after breast cancer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Breast Cancer Recovery Coach Podcast. I am your host, Laura Lummer, and today is part two in our two-part series on sleep as the pillar of health, as a pillar of health. We are talking with Dr. Stephanie Green, and if you didn't hear episode 74, I highly recommend going back and listening to it before you listen to this episode, number 75. In 74, Dr. Green spoke about some common sleep disturbances like sleep apnea and UARS. She explained not only what those are, but how they impact the bigger picture of our health. She shared some amazing patient stories and how many of her patients have had incredible results in other health issues they've been dealing with by treating their sleep. I just found that to be absolutely fascinating. In today's episode, we're going to dig into more stories, actually. But in addition to that, Dr. Green is going to talk about what a sleep study is, what to expect, the different types of sleep studies there are, and she's going to give you some resources, information that you can take to your doctor, how you can handle going about getting a sleep study, and even if you don't have insurance, she's got an affordable resource that you can reach out to to get a sleep study. So I'm really excited to dig into this episode because it's just more great stuff. And I could listen to Dr. Green talk about the fascinating area of sleep science forever. It's just absolutely incredible. So without making you wait any longer, let's get back into this. Welcome back, Dr. Green. Thank you. To talk a little more about proper sleep hygiene and good sleep health. This is such a fascinating topic. If someone's listening to this and they're like, I don't have sleep apnea, I'm good. If you have what happening with you, maybe you should consider a sleep study. So if you have insomnia, if you have um, waking up at night to urinate, Mm -hmm. uh, waking up with a dry mouth, Mm -hmm. waking up with headaches. If you have headaches fairly often, period, but Mm -hmm. especially waking up with morning headaches. Okay. It's from the low oxygen causing it and it tenses up your neck and all kinds of things. So headaches, especially morning. Um... Tossing and turning, sleeping on your stomach. So a lot of people think, I'm just more comfortable on my stomach. But you might not realize that your body is making you go to your stomach because your tongue falls forward and you breathe better than being on your back and your tongue falls back. So when someone says, I've always been a stomach sleeper, to me, that's a red flag. I'm like, oh, Mm. we're going to ask you a few more questions here, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So people just think, I'm comfortable that way. Mm. Well, why are you comfortable that way? Because you're breathing better that way. Mm. You don't even realize that, you know? So stomach sleeper. And then, of course, the medical problems that go along with it. So high blood pressure, anxiety, depression asthma, acid reflux, grinding your teeth and clenching your teeth. So stress can cause you to grind and clench in your sleep. But if your tongue falls back or your airway collapses and your airway is closed or partially closed and your body is going, shoot, we need to breathe, we need to breathe, it will tell you to, you. it will make you clench and grind your teeth because that makes your tongue sort of sit up hmm. and it opens up your airway and you breathe. So when people clench a lot and grind a lot in their sleep, to me, it's a red flag for sleep apnea. Now, when you grind your teeth, you wear your teeth down, you crack them, uh, wiggling constantly like that causes the bone to reabsorb. So then there's more cavities. It's a whole thing in the dental field. And so when the dentists see signs on your teeth that you've been grinding, they tend to make a grinding mouth guard. Mm -hmm. A grinding mouth guard is just on one level, usually the top. And it's just, it's simply a barrier to protect your teeth from the grinding that you're doing. But if you think about it, it's a small airway that causes sleep apnea, which causes you to grind. Mm -hmm. Putting anything at all in your mouth is now taking that small airway that you had, making it even smaller. Distracting it even more. So I I hear all the time when when I'm asking people for signs and symptoms of sleep apnea, I'm asking them these questions. I say, do you grind? Yeah, I grind a lot, but my dentist made me a grinding mouth guard, Mm. so it's okay. And I say, 
do you sleep better with or without it? And a lot of times I hear them say, I actually sleep worse with it. Mm. So I don't, I like, I don't use it very often. Mm-hmm. It's because it's making their apnea worse. Wow. They don't have any clue. So dentistry is completely changing to just, um, taking care of your teeth uh-huh. to being more of evaluating your airway. Okay. And the dental field is completely changing. And my dentist is very involved in sleep medicine and he goes to dental continuing education that's about sleep. Wow. And so really any dentist who's just looking at your teeth and not evaluating your airway, mm-hmm. in my mind, mm-hmm. is causing a, is, is, is doing a disservice. Right. Whether they know it or not. Right. They, they might not know it. And I and I have to say that this field of medicine is definitely blossoming yeah. and we're learning a lot more about it. And I have a couple of patients that are medical residents, you know, new doctors and training, and I ask them, do you do a lot of training about sleep apnea? Oh yeah, a lot. Really? I say, good, because my generation, we learned about it, but yeah. not much. Right. You know, we, we thought it was that heavy Pickwickian man mm-hmm. with the big neck that mm-hmm. had it, and that was about it. So I'm happy to hear that things, times are changing. Mm-hmm. We need more studies. I think they're starting to be in progress. Mm-hmm. You know, We need more sleep connects to this. Yeah. So if you have this, treat your sleep rather yeah. than just treating this. Right. Yeah. 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 So treating the symptoms. Yep. Let's look for the cause. I love so I that. I think it's changing. And dentistry has to change because that woman that I told you about with a small airway that was getting oxygens in the 60s all night long, if I didn't know about sleep medicine yeah. and look in her throat and just say, I know you have no symptoms, but your airway is so small, would you do a sleep study? Mm-hmm. If I didn't do that, she never would have known. But a dentist who's in everyone's mouth yeah. and looking at their airway should say, wow. I can barely see the back here. Yeah. I can barely work on your molars. Right. You know, you have a tiny airway. You should probably do a sleep study. That needs to be the new way yeah. of dentistry. Just being more holistic. And mm-hmm. I know dentistry also, I don't want to go off topic to dentistry right. so much, but I know they're also looking at dental health with respect to heart disease and Absolutely. diabetes and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. So a book that I read is called GASP, G-A-S-P, GASP. Okay. And it's written by two dentists, Drs. Michael Gelb, G-E-L-B, and Howard Hinden. H-I-N-D-I-N. And so I read it, and it's amazing. Well, I'll post Um, that and the studies that we've been referring to also. I'll post links to that in the show notes for this episode as well. So here's where my head is going when I listen to this. For most people who have gone through chemotherapy, especially Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of that impact it has, and because it puts us into menopause, we get weight gain, we get hot flashes, hot flashes flashes disturb your sleep. And Mm -hmm. as a doctor, I'm sure you hear women say, I wake up with night sweats, Mm -hmm. right? Hot flashes and night sweats. So you're disturbed all night long. So let's talk about sleeping in the dark and how can we do things to help us sleep better if we have these biological disturbances that wake us up at night. So many years ago, Suzanne Summers put a book out about um, hormones and sleep and she talked about how important it was to sleep in a dark room and i remember i believe it was in her book or else it was something that i read about her online that one of the things she mentioned was a study where somebody slept in a completely dark room but under the blanket they held a light onto the patient's leg Mm -hmm. and they were testing cortisol levels with and without that light Mm -hmm. and noticed an increased level of cortisol when they had the light on he couldn't see it at all but it was just shining on his leg. And his body knew it. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And cortisol is a stress hormone, which also causes our blood sugar to spike, right? It causes the the, the liver to produce more sugar, and that creates a, a whole stress. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So that's fascinating. Yeah. It's supposed to be really dark and quiet where you sleep and on the cooler side. You know, there's so many different things that affect your sleep. You can say, well, I don't have sleep apnea. It's just hot. I don't have air conditioning. I can't get it cool enough. Or I'm menopausal. If I could just have some hormones, I'd sleep better. Yes, all those things contribute. So it's not just sleep apnea. There's all those things. And good sleep hygiene is huge. Mm -hmm. So having a regular sleep-wake cycle and a good circadian rhythm, having a dark, quiet room, blackout curtains, everything has lights on it. Yes. And it might be just the little power button with a little green light. But you've got several of them in your room and a clock with LED lights shining the time right in your face or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And all those things matter. And so so covering them up, get, uh, what's it called? Gorilla tape, the Mm -hmm. black one. A Mm -hmm. tiny little square of that tape on that power button light Mm -hmm. and darken your room. Mm -hmm. Get blackout curtains. I mean, you can only do what you can. But Mm -hmm. those are the things to try to do Mm -hmm. is to try to have a dark, quiet room. No heavy eating or drinking near bedtime. We lay down and it all sort of comes back up. Yeah, right. So if you, that's another thing that sleep apnea can cause is acid reflux. Mm -hmm. And then acid reflux can also cause sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. So you hold your breath. 
you get a higher pressure in your lungs, which then can squeeze acid up and cause acid reflux. So people with sleep apnea have worse acid reflux. At the same time, acid flowing up can trigger you to hold your breath mm-hmm. and can mm-hmm. cause an apnea response. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it goes both ways. But right. So that's why no heavy eating or drinking at bedtime, no alcohol within two hours of sleep. Alcohol also affects your sleep pattern. We should go from a shallow sleep to a deep sleep to a REM, rapid eye movement sleep, which is shorter, and then back up to shallow, deep, REM, and you just cycle through that all night. Drinking alcohol changes that whole pattern. So you may fall asleep, but you're not gonna have good sleep. Mm -hmm. So it's very common for people with sleep apnea that have insomnia, can't fall asleep, to want a drink or two in the evening to relax and fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And now you just worsen, it relaxes your muscles in your throat, Mm -hmm. so you collapse your airway even more. Mm -hmm. So now you get even worse sleep apnea and you get even worse sleep. Even without apnea, it disturbs your sleep pattern. So you're getting worse sleep with apnea. Whenever I have a patient with sleep complaints that I think might have apnea and they're also drinking too much, Mm -hmm. I mark their sleep study urgent mm. and as soon as the sleep lab knows that I have a patient that I'm worried about their alcohol use they will rush that test through because really? it's such a common they're, they're using that as a crutch because they're so tired you know wow. so um, anyway back to sleep hygiene so waking up and going to sleep at the same time as much as possible mm-hmm. keeping your room dark and quiet and on the cool side if possible the study that I read recommended a 68 degrees. I think that sounds lovely, but what I don't set my AC to go that cold. I do. <laughs> I do? set my AC in 65 every night. Do you night. really? Every night. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, every night. I can't. That's, it's got to be cold. Yeah. yeah. And I love cold. And I love big heavy blankets yeah. on me, Absolutely. so it's got to be really cold so I can have my blanket. <laughs> and big heavy blankets are calming too. Yeah. You kind of fidget less and move less. They have those heavy blankets for sleep. So like we said, no heavy eating or drinking near bedtime, no electronics right before bed. You want to avoid lights in your face, in your eyeballs, lighting up your brain, keeping it active, Mm -hmm. and then turning it off and trying to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Who's going to go to sleep well after that? Mm -hmm. So what they recommend is an hour of not having lights in your face. You know, maybe reading an old-fashioned book with a lamp shining on your book. I love that they call it (laughs) old-fashioned. You know, those ones that are made out of paper. Going to the bathroom just before you go to bed Mm -hmm. so you don't have to get up to urinate in the night. You should be able to sleep all night without getting up to go to the bathroom unless you have a bladder issue, Mm -hmm. in which case you need to go see a urologist and try to get it fixed. Mm -hmm. But people just think, oh, I just, I always, I pee off and I have to get up to pee every night. That's normal for me. It might be your apnea bringing you awake or nearly awake Mm -hmm. and then you feel a halfway full bladder so you go oh I have to pee and you get up and pee so a lot of people think oh I don't have apnea and I say do you ever get up to to go to the bathroom at night yeah a couple times but that's normal for me I've always done that yeah and I'm like well you're 40 do you have a bladder problem no yeah well then why are you getting up to go to the bathroom at night you shouldn't that's Mm -hmm. maybe something if you're elderly prostate hypertrophy yeah yeah, different things like that like there you know if you don't have a bladder issue you should not need to so the thought is could apnea be pulling you out of a deep sleep sometimes it it makes you all the way awake Mm -hmm. sometimes it just pulls you into a shallow sleep Mm -hmm. and you start your sleep cycle all over again Mm -hmm. if it pulls you to a very shallow sleep or all the way awake are you then feeling your bladder and getting up to go to the bathroom, not realizing what woke you up? Love that. Yeah, right? that's that makes so much sense. And we think that because you've done it for so long, yeah. this is just normal. Yeah, that's and, my normal. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, limiting your daytime naps. A lot of people are proud of the fact that they can fall asleep anytime, anywhere. Uh-huh. And a little 20-minute cat nap and they're good to go. Yeah, That could be a sign of apnea. Uh-huh. We should wake up, you should wake up feeling rested and get up and be ready to start your day and not like, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. You know, time mm-hmm. to get up. Let me get some coffee down before I can function. Yeah. Coffee should be something that we enjoy, mm-hmm. not something that we, quote unquote, need right. to function. Oh, don't let the Starbucks there. people hear this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, you know, we should wake up feeling rested and we should not need a nap during the day to function and get to the evening. That's not to say that a lovely afternoon nap after lunch isn't a wonderful thing and not that you're not allowed to do that. Right. But if you can fall asleep anywhere, anytime, that's not a good sign. You, sh- you shouldn't be living your life like that. 
Uh, you are okay. not fully awake is what it sounds like to me. And okay. I, would, I would question, is there a sleep disorder going on, whether you know it or not. Interesting. Um, my dad was an OBGYN, so he got up at all times of night to deliver babies. So he thought it was very normal to take cat naps all day long. And he just thought, I'm an OBGYN. I sleep when I can, you know, where I can, when I can. Yeah. He goes, I could sit in a chair, close my eyes for 10 minutes, good to go, let's go. Yeah, he thought I, it was a skill that he developed. Exactly. Yeah. And but it was sleep apnea. It was severe sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. And he did not recognize it. And, you know, I hear people say that. And I think they're almost saying it like, I can sleep anywhere. Yeah. Like, it's great for me. Like, you it's know? a badge it's like, of honor. Yeah, but maybe <laughs> yeah. not. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing. Okay. Um, another thing that's important is to ensure adequate exposure to natural light. Exposure to sunlight during the day as well as darkness at night helps to maintain your sleep-wake cycle. Okay. So it's not healthy to wake up, go to your car, to your office room, out at night, back home. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, when my patients, I do a lot of gynecology. So when I have patients with an abnormal pap smear because they have the HPV virus and that's another whole thing, I tell them, we don't have any medications to kill the HPV virus. Your body needs to fix it. So come back in six months and we'll repeat your pap smear and see if you got rid of it yet. And they always ask me, well, what can I do to help get rid of it? And I say, you know, it's your immune system that has to fight. So do the things that give you a healthy immune system. Mm-hmm. Eat healthy. Don't smoke. Stay away from cigarette smoke everywhere. Um, not just yourself, but secondhand. Right. Eat, um, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables. Get good sleep. And get sunlight. Go for a walk out in the sunlight, even if it's five minutes. Mm-hmm. If you have a crazy busy day, if you can go out at five minutes and just sit in the park and let the sun shine on your face mm-hmm. or just walk around the block and come back, it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And then I tell them, laugh and be happy and don't be mad all day long. And mm-hmm. they always laugh and they're like, easy to say. I go, I'm not kidding. Yeah. Don't be stressed and angry all day long. Yeah. You know, be Find peace and find happiness in your life because it changes your whole chemical makeup and helps you fight. It strengthens your immune system. Absolutely, finding joy. Mm -hmm. So I always talk about walking in the sun. Mm -hmm. You know, getting a little sunlight every day and and um, trying to be happy. Time in nature. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. matters so much. Plus, and and as uh, in terms of breast cancer or any kind of cancer, also, but I think specifically breast cancer, that also is going to contribute to maintaining a good vitamin D level, which has a correlation with cancer. Yeah, yeah. So that's good advice. And we use sunblock to not get skin cancer so then that can block you know the sunlight that causes you to make more vitamin d mm-hmm. but there's so much more to it than that it's it, it you don't have to lay out there and get sunburned right five minutes five minutes mm-hmm. five ten minutes yeah on your face just you know feeling the glow and the warmth of it and mm-hmm. it, it gives you such a good energy and it really does matter the expert sleep experts recommend seven to nine hours of sleep for adults you know, we all think about our children and making sure they get enough sleep. Yeah. But I can't tell you how many patients I have that get five to six hours and they say, I function like that. That's just my normal. Mm-hmm. Um, my own mother-in-law, she also had no complaints. I see her sleeping, forgive me for saying this online, but <laughs> with her mouth open and snoring uh-huh. Uh-huh. and falling asleep as soon as TV's on and she's relaxed in the couch, she's out. Mm-hmm. And I'll turn it off and she wakes up and go, I was watching that. Uh, so, no, you weren't. You're <laughs> snoring. You're out. Yeah. No, no, no. So, you know, she can't sit through a movie. Yeah. Every movie that we've seen, she's like, I don't remember if I saw the end of that or not, you know? <laughs> anyway, she doesn't have any complaints. She's got this cute little fit body. She does the online aerobics. She's healthy. She's adorable. And, yeah. you, you know, she doesn't have complaints. She's energetic. She wakes up early. I see the way she sleeps though. Mm-hmm. And I, we went to visit them. They're back East and we went to visit them for Christmas and I brought my CPAP machine with me, which I got for fun to sort of try. Cause I'm, I'm prescribing it to all these patients and I love to experience what I'm putting on my patients. Practice you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I got one. I've been playing with it. Uh-huh. So I brought it with me and I asked her, would you just sleep one night with my machine? Could I put it on you? She sleeps about five hours a night. She has her whole life. She's completely happy like that. Mm-hmm. She wakes up energetic. By the time you wake up, she's already baked an apple pie and oh. done a workout. And she's like, morning. Wow. You know? Yeah. So she's one of those people. Yeah, yeah. And she, quote unquote, doesn't need more sleep. Mm-hmm. A very common myth is as you, well, it's not a myth because there is some truth, but as you get older, 
you just sleep less mm -hmm. and that's just a normal thing so mm -hmm. i'm normal this is normal for mm -hmm. me you know mm -hmm. so she sleeps about five hours a night i put my cpap machine on her and i think this is a little bit unusual because some people take a most people take a little while to get used to it she slept nine hours and 45 minutes Whoa. without waking up and she wow. woke up in the morning and was like what time is it she's like what drug did you put in this yeah. thing that you put on my face Wow. She didn't get up to pee. She didn't wake up at 5 in the morning to bake an apple pie. That is Nine hours and 45 minutes the first night. That is not typical results. Right. But right. I'm just saying, here's someone who thought she was normal. She thought five hours a night was her normal. Mm -hmm. And she was fine and she had energy. Wow. But look what her body actually needed when it was given yeah. oxygen and given the freedom to sleep as long as it wanted. Yeah. So she uses a CPAP now every night and, and her average sleep is about seven to eight hours. Mm -hmm. So she didn't wow. stay 10 but hours. But she's still. But that's because she's probably caught up on... Yeah, she had a sleep deficit, but yeah. still that adds two to three hours a night of sleep when she's properly oxygenated. Yeah. That's fascinating. And so in my... What I believe is that she's adding years to her life. By well, I was this. just going to say that. So we, you, you said a couple of times that we think that's just normal. That's just normal. Right. So there's this book that I told you about that I'm listening to called Lifespan. And, and the foundation of this book is that aging is not the normal process that oh. we credit it for. We don't have to age the way that we age. We don't have to lose so much function. That there are things we can do in our life. And if we do them properly and we eat the right foods and we have the right pillars of health in place and we follow them that we don't have to lose so much function and we can mm -hmm. think better and more mm -hmm. clearly so as you're talking about this and i'm thinking how many years do we go without the right level of oxygenation without enough sleep in our lives and Hormones. how does that contribute to the way that we age? That's really interesting. Because it affects so many aspects of your body. Mm -hmm. You know, your hormones and your steroids and all that. It all cascades into everything. Yeah, and there's so you much know? going on in our bodies when you're asleep. There's so much detoxification process and Repair. cell regeneration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all of that happening. That if we're not doing it, we get more buildup of senescent cells, mm -hmm. which create all kinds of havoc in the body. Wow. Okay. So many more podcasts are coming out of just having this discussion right now. <laughs> so what like, so I much tell my patients do. with when we find apnea, I tell them, so we, we all have stressful days and your sleep is supposed to be the recovery of your day. Mm -hmm. People with sleep apnea have very stressful nights. Mm -hmm. The daytime becomes their recovery. Mm -hmm. So, but we have stressful days because we have work, you know, we have relationships with people that are up and down. All the stress of a normal life, yeah. you have stressful days. But when you have a stressful night and that daytime is your recovery, I mean... That's not going to end well. Not, not going to end well. Mm -mm. Yeah. And that leads to anxiety about going to sleep. Mm. So some people are like, oh, I'm so tired. I can't wait to go to bed. Yeah. And you get in bed and all of a sudden, boing, your mind's racing and you can't fall asleep. Yeah. Your body has developed an anxiety about going to sleep it because knows it's so where stressful. it's going it knows where you're headed it's like no wow. don't make me go through another night please wow. you know it's fighting it you're fighting sleep because your body is like oh god i don't want to go back there you know that is i never thought of it like that it just increases anxiety during the day i mean all those stress hormones are not just gone when you wake up mm -hmm. they're still in your system mm -hmm. and so they might go down during your day but they're still overall an elevated level so um let's talk a little bit about the natural sleep cycle so okay. you go through shallow sleep and you go through a deep sleep and then you have REM sleep which is rapid eye movement in shallow and deep sleep you have monoclonic twitches which is a twitch of one one muscle. Okay. Um, so have any of you been falling asleep and then your arm just twitches or your sure. leg twitches? Yeah, oh, yeah. So that's totally normal. Yeah. But when you're in REM sleep, the rapid eye movement from basically from your eyes down, you're so relaxed, not paralyzed, obviously, but almost, mm -hmm. you know, very, very relaxed. You don't have those monoclonic twitches anymore, but your eyes are going back and forth rapidly. And you're basically going through the last day or so that you just experienced and you are in essence, throwing away what's unimportant because you're forming memories of things you need to remember. Memories are formed in REM sleep. So that's really where you get mental clarity uh -huh. during the day is from your REM sleep that you had at night. Okay. So uh, it takes about an hour to an hour and a half to have the full sleep cycle. Um, so in an average night, you'll have it maybe five times, you know, if you're lucky. Okay. And so each time that you have it, you start out with a really short REM 
phase and then back up into shallow sleep and then deep and then REM again. That REM will be a little longer. So the REMs get longer and longer through the night. So it depends how many REMs you have and how restfully you're sleeping. But in a, in a normal cycle, the REMs get longer and longer. And so the longest REM is around three to four in the clock in the morning. Okay. When you're in REM sleep, you're so relaxed that your airway can collapse even more, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So apnea is usually worse in REM sleep. And so therefore you get pulled out of REM sleep and, and either woken up or brought back up to a shallow sleep mm-hmm. by apnea mm-hmm. and even UARS, the, the upper airway resistance syndrome. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't have a full airway blockage, you have a, enough of a partial blockage to cause what we call a respiratory distress and it pulls you out of your deep sleep. And when you get pulled out of REM or deep sleep, you don't go back to you don't go back to where you were and keep going from there. You go all the way back to the top to a shallow sleep and it takes another hour, hour and a half to get down so to REM. So you basically over. lost that REM. Mm. Yeah. You can sleep eight hours, quote unquote, uninterrupted. You're like, I went to bed, I woke up eight hours later. Mm-hmm. But if that whole eight hours was every time you hit REM, you got pulled out of it. And and so basically more of a shallow sleep mm-hmm. the whole night, you wake up exhausted. Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't understand. I just slept eight hours. Why am I still so tired and dragging mm-hmm. going to work and tired during the day? And I just need to nap. And you know, and yeah. you don't even you think I slept eight hours. I said, I'm doing what the doctor told me, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. getting sleep. But we but have this misconception sleep. that it, it we would know, right? We yeah. would wake up. We yeah. would be awake that we had disturbances but that's not necessarily true absolutely yeah so somebody notices they're listening to you they're like oh gosh I have headaches or I wake up this way or I pee all the time maybe I need a sleep study what can they do what's the next step how do they go about do you have to call your doctor do you call your insurance company what do you need to do so it used to be that we would send patients to the lab for an in-lab sleep study and sometimes we still do for various reasons um it's the most accurate test. You have leads on your head, so we can see your brain waves. You have mm-hmm. leads on your chest, EKG. I mean, we're watching everything, videotaping. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's very interesting is I had a patient that was always tired. That was her only complaint. Otherwise, she's doing everything, good sleep hygiene, well, but just always tired. So I said, okay, this was before the home sleep study. So I sent her for an in-lab sleep study. That's what we did back then. She had no apnea, but she had restless leg syndrome. And so as soon as she they could see her wave, her brainwave pattern. So they could see the stage of sleep she was in. As soon as she went into a deep sleep, she started kicking her legs hmm. enough to pull her back up into a shallow sleep. Wow. So she was one of those people that only got shallow sleep all night. So she slept eight hours, but was still tired, okay. but she had zero apnea, hmm. but she had restless legs. And that is something you will not pick up on a home sleep study. Oh, no okay. one's videotaping. There's no, we have, you know, in the lab, they have leads on your ankles and your arms to look at movements mm-hmm. and, you know, muscle twitches and stuff like that. And they're videotaping and watching you. Mm-hmm. So a home sleep study is not perfect by any means, Okay. but it's kind of like, is it good enough? Because if it shows you something then now you know you can treat. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't show anything and you have a lot of symptoms, you might need to go do an in-lab one, which nobody wants to do. Yeah, nobody wants to do. So keep that in mind, though. Take it with a grain of salt. If you find something, great. But if you don't, it might not be so correct. And would they let you, so if you got an in-home sleep study and it Mm -hmm. didn't show anything, but you still had the symptoms, symptoms, would the insurance company let you go do an in-lab? They should. The doctor has to ask for it, of course, but yeah, they should. So it used to be that I would just ask for an in-lab sleep study on patients and it would get approved. I started doing home sleep studies on my own, not because the insurance told me to, Mm -hmm. but because it's convenient for patients. It's, it's, quick it's easy you don't have to take work off and you don't have to take work off for an in-lab sleep study but it's just easier if you have children if you're so many different reasons that you want to stay in your own bed Mm -hmm. some people get in an outside environment they just won't sleep Mm -hmm. like in a hotel or something you know Mm -hmm. they're pretty comfortable they make the rooms really nice it's kind of like a hotel room there's usually a flat screen tv a queen size bed you can talk on the phone you can bring snacks so they hook you all up and then they leave the room and you are like like you're in a hotel room Mm -hmm. with a bunch of wires on your head you know so um (laughs) Um, You know, you can wake up in the morning and go to work. You can shower and go to work. It doesn't have to be a day off, but still, of course, it's easier to be in your own bed. So I started doing more home sleep studies out of convenience and much cheaper, Mm -hmm. you know, for patients. And then now I'm finding that if I order an in-lab sleep study, I get something from insurance saying, no, we want her to do a home one. I was like, oh, "Oh, they're starting to bulk at the idea of just starting with an in-lab. But if I have a patient that I'm, I'm 
thinking she might have restless legs based on the story she's telling me or uh, they're not um, I want them monitored more mm -hmm. I ask for an in-lab I almost have to fight for it now really so now it's becoming like you have to do a home sleep study before they'll approve an in-lab unless you have a real medical reason oh, that wow. you need to be monitored you okay. know so that's what I'm finding now so I think you know a lot of family doctors and I'm I'm only in my 40s. I'm not like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I want to say my generation. Yeah, you don't be too <laughs> old school. There, yeah, doesn't, yeah. doesn't, isn't all that trained on sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. I became trained because of my father yeah. and that whole story, and it got me interested and in learning. And so I feel like not the typical family doctor in my age range might not be doing right. a lot of home sleep studies. Right, right. I think it's, like I said, it's, I think it's blossoming. I think people are learning a lot more about it. But you might go to your family doctor and they might simply not know that much about it. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how comfortable they are ordering a sleep study on you. They mm -hmm. might feel like if I order a home sleep study on you, I'm going to get the report and I don't know what to do with don't it. Don't know what to do with it. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. So they yeah. might just say, well, you can go see a sleep specialist if you want. But, you know, there are sleep specialists that are wonderful, but then it's it's also the copay of seeing a specialist mm -hmm. and it's taking another day off work to go have another appointment. I don't know how many people actually follow through with that right. when that's recommended. Yeah. So I think you just need to say, I have been doing some reading okay. about obstructive sleep apnea or UARS and I, you know, I, whatever. You don't have to explain yourself. You just say, okay. I've learned about this okay. and I feel like I have most of those symptoms. I would like to do a sleep study to evaluate my sleep. Um, are you comfortable ordering that? Do you know how to order it? How can I get one? Mm -hmm. So HST America is the company that I use. You, they will mail you the the apparatus that you wear, which is basically a headband or a chest band. Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. And you wear it for two nights. It only has one button, so you turn it on when you go to bed. Simple to use, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And then it comes in a prepaid return envelope. So you do it for nice. two days, you put it in there, you send it back. Super easy. They will bill your insurance and Insurance almost always will cover it because mm -hmm. if a, the, the doctor that ordered it, if they have any suspicion you have apnea and they're ordering a sleep study, the insurance needs to cover it because mm -hmm. who are they to say, no, you don't, right? Yeah. So right. They, always, they, usually, they usually approve it, but it might all go to your deductible. Right. So the sleep study itself, I think they bill $2,000, $3,000, something like that for the home sleep study. Uh -huh. That goes to your insurance. Let's say, for example, your insurance approves $1,500. Uh -huh. Okay, we, we agree with the test and we'll pay $1,500, but her deductible is $3,000, so that whole bill goes to her. Oh, you know? uh -huh. um, HST America only bills the patient $249. Wow. That's it, maximum. And you can make payments without interest. Wow. They don't want payment or money to stop people from getting the test. That's awesome. So if your insurance actually pays something, whatever they pay will come off that. So I recently had a patient who had to pay $80 oh, for wow. their sleep study because their insurance did pay a portion. Uh -huh. But what I see mostly is that they approve it, but it goes your deductible. Mm. So you're going to basically pay $249. Mm -hmm. Any doctor in the United States can order a home sleep study from HST America easily. Okay. It's a simple one page. It's got a couple symptoms, so they'll check off you know, difficulty falling asleep, urinates at night, dry mouth in the morning, headaches. You know, you check off what symptoms your patient has, you sign the bottom and you fax it. Okay. It's, it's that easy. It goes to the patient, gets mailed to the patient, patient mails it back, a sleep doctor reads it, and then the report is sent to the doctor. Mm. Now the report, the last page, has what to do about it. Oh, It wow. doesn't matter if the doctor is not familiar or comfortable or trained. It doesn't matter. It will tell them what to do. This patient has a sleep disorder, breathing. It, they don't. They can lose weight. They can see an ear, nose, throat doctor. If that's an issue, they can get the mouth guard. They could use CPAP machine. Mm -hmm. It tells them exactly step-by-step step what the choices are, and then it's up to the doctor and the patient what they choose to do. So a doctor does not need to be trained in sleep okay. to order a sleep study and get those results, so they don't need to worry about that. Yeah, that it's, is it's really great. Yeah. That's really great. So I that. had a patient that I saw recently that it was our last visit because she was moving to Utah. And I said, I would order a sleep study on you. And she goes, darn it. Like she wanted to do it, but she was moving like the next week. Uh -huh. um, so I called HST America. I called my, the person that I speak to there. And she said, oh, no problem. We mail it anyway. So it doesn't matter where they are. And I said, oh, okay. Perfect. So I ordered a sleep study on her. Yeah. In a week and a half, 
I had the result on my desk. I go, wait a minute. I thought she was moving. And I called her and she goes, yeah, I arranged it right away. It came to my new address and I did it immediately and sent it back. I mean, That's I was like great. kind of blown away. So in Utah, she already had the results yeah. a couple weeks later. That's awesome. So, yeah. So anyone, anywhere can do it. Okay. And it's easy. And, and then if somebody does need a CPAP machine or a mouth guard, mm-hmm. does insurance typically so, cover um, that as well? Every Everyone's different and they're plan and what they signed up for so it's like it's impossible to say mm-hmm. but the whole setup the CPAP machine the tube the mask you know, I'd say it's about fifteen hundred dollars mm-hmm. you can honestly go online and buy yourself a machine today cash you don't need a prescription oh. it's just a machine that you're buying mm-hmm. you know insurance coverage typically there's a little copay up front maybe a hundred dollars sometimes two hundred mm-hmm. and then there's a rental fee uh, this is what I see typically, mm-hmm. of maybe 40 bucks a month for six months. Oh. And then after that, you own it. It's your machine. Oh, okay. Uh, then you need to get a new mask every three months or so, a new tube every six months, just for cleanliness for bacteria sure. sake, you know? So that, again, you can go buy them cash on Amazon. You can buy them anywhere. But for insurance to cover it, they typically do. Mm-hmm. My mother-in-law, who now uses it, she said she has a box of six masks. because they oh. send, She hasn't paid a penny and they send her so much, she's like, stop, I'm good. <laughs> you know? So you get on a plan of yeah. what your insurance will cover is like regular mask changes. Okay. And they just should automatically, you should be on an automatic thing where every three months or every month, whatever they cover, it comes in the mail. And you simply snap off the mouthpiece that you have, throw it away, put the new one on, and it's nice and soft again. You know? Perfect. Yeah. And what about the mouth guard? Is that something that is taken so care of? So the mouth guard, again, is about two to $3,000. Wow. Um, the cash price varies. My my dentist here in Huntington Beach makes them for $700 cash. You know, I always say, ask your own personal dentist if they're familiar with sleep medicine, if they make sleep apnea mouth guards. If you can do it with your dentist, great. Yeah. You know? The price, quote unquote, is two to 3000 but typically that's what you bill insurance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't always get paid that much the Mm -hmm. dentist so there's there's a big variation but with my patients who qualify for a CPAP machine if I say they are unable to tolerate CPAP so therefore I'm recommending a mouth guard then insurance usually fully pays for the mouth guard okay so they will pay for one treatment whatever you choose mouth guard or CPAP okay CPAP is the gold standard treatment some people cannot tolerate it or Mm -hmm. they don't want to Mm -hmm. um and that's fine, and that's a personal decision. And then the mouth guard is covered. Mm-hmm. If you have upper airway resistance syndrome, you know, mild sleep apnea, insurance doesn't think you're bad enough to need treatment, then you're on your own. Then mm-hmm. all you can do is go pay cash for a mouth guard. That's the category that I fell into. Mm-hmm. So years ago, I did a sleep study. It was so mild that, I mean, I had it. But what I didn't realize back then is I had lots of episodes without an oxygen drop. But I didn't realize they were still important. Mm. I looked at the ones with an oxygen drop. I only had like two. Okay. So I was like, oh, okay, I don't have apnea. So okay. I didn't do anything about it. Uh-huh. But I kept suffering. I was always tired. But I have four children. I have a reason to be tired, right? Mm-hmm. There's always an excuse mm-hmm. for things. I woke up with headaches almost every morning. But I'm a headache person. I've had headaches since college. Uh-huh. So it's almost normal for me. Right. They're mild. They're gone in about 10 minutes. Yeah. It was just part of life. Right. Finally, after a couple years, I was like... I'm just gonna get a mouth card. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I want to try it, and I paid seven hundred dollars, and I got one. From the very first day, I felt better. I, really? I went headache. I didn't have a headache for about a year and a half. Wow. And then I would get them occasionally with you know menstrual cycle changes, you right. know, but rare. Right. But for me to live without headaches, I didn't even know what life was like without. I'm like, wow, this is what life is like when you wake up feeling great without a headache. And that was on my own. Yeah. I just went and paid cash just in case it could help. I was so sick of it. So interesting. Yeah. And then I had the lecture by the doctor who reads the home sleep studies, and he told me how all the apneas matter. Yeah. Even if you're not dropping an oxygen, you're getting that stress response. You're grinding your teeth, causing headaches. Blah blah. And I went back and looked at my study and realized that I was having like 30 or 40. Wow. But only two with an oxygen drop. Mm. And he said that he sees that quite often in women versus men. Uh, women, the, the makeup of our body, we tend to respond to stresses more. We're more sensitive. So we're more likely to pull out of it before it gets really severe. Mm. Whereas a guy will just snore and sleep right through it and get uh. a really low oxygen. Women typically, oxygen starts to drop and we, we pull out of it. We pull ourselves into a shallow sleep and we breathe. We're more responsive. Okay. And it makes me think almost like when the baby's crying down the hall and you just somehow you wake up and you just know. It's right. Like, yeah. yeah. It, it's just more, he just said the chemical makeup of one's body, just they respond more. So you get a lot more UARS then severe sleep apnea. Yeah. Mm. And then it goes untreated because it's not quote unquote bad enough 
so insurance doesn't pay for treatment. But it could literally change your life. Literally change your life. Change my life. I will never sleep without my mouth guard. The mouth guard works by bringing your lower jaw forward a little bit, which mm-hmm. pulls your tongue away from the back of your throat. Wow. If I go away for the weekend and forget it at home, I will stress out. I want to sleep up in a chair. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to sleep without it now, you know? And how yeah. long does the mouth guard last typically? So I think every five years is when oh, insurance okay. will pay for a new mouth guard. I've had mine for three years and it's brand spanking new. Okay. okay. Every time I go for a dental cleaning, I bring it and they clean it in their ultrasound machine and it's just crystal clear again perfect Um, it's light as a feather could Mm -hmm. fit in my pocket nice so even a lot of people that have CPAP machines in their home and use them they will pay cash for a mouth guard for if they're going away for the weekend and they don't want to lug their machine with them which Mm -hmm. you know they should do but they don't want to realistically it's like Mm -hmm. but you're going to be sleeping in a hotel room with some friends and it would be really nice not to snore and wake them up and also to keep breathing yourself yeah yeah and are the CPAP machines noisy or so quiet they're Uh, quiet and dark no light oh that's one technology without a light they're amazing because i always think of it people say oh i don't want that noisy thing yeah how's someone else gonna sleep next to me but no they're not modernized so much i mean i would say the the length of the machine is maybe like your elbow to the tip of your fingers Mm -hmm. it's a long skinny kind of a rectangle there's different machines obviously but um, and then on the end is a water tank that you literally pull off, put some water in it, shove it back in. Mm. And that keeps the air slightly humidified so you don't, if you have a nasal mask, you're mm-hmm. not going to dry out your nose. Okay. So that's as simple as it is. There's an electrical cord coming out the back. There's a skinny tube coming out the front with a mask on your face. There's all different kinds of masks. You can have a full face mask if you sleep with your mouth open. Um, you can have a little nasal mask that's like a triangle over your nose. You can have a nasal pillow, which is kind of like a mustache. Oh. And it's almost like earplugs. There's little plugs going in your nose oh, okay, yeah. or not. It can be like a, there's one that's like a mustache that just has slits in the rubber oh. that go up against your nostrils so it blows air. Oh, okay. But you can't use a nasal mask if you open your mouth because the air will go in your nose and come out your mouth. Mm, so that's yeah, the wrong. Right. Yeah. Every month you're getting a new mask. So if you want to try a different style, you can say, hey, next time I want this. Oh. And you get to the one where you love and you're comfortable with. Okay. I would say really popular right now is the nasal pillows is the what pillows. it's called. It's very popular and comfortable and on the reports I see like no leaks it okay. seems to be the best so for people that really want to use that kind of mask but they open their mouth at night they can get a um, chin strap which is ten dollars it's kind of a little hammock for your chin it's a little t- you know t-shirt material yeah. and it just goes up on top of your head you velcro it it's like a band you know wow. and I have to tell you that I'm I'm a sensitive sleeper so I like it really dark and quiet and mm-hmm. I thought let me see what this CPAP machine is like it's going to keep me awake mm-hmm. um, my husband and I both got it because I, I made him be my <laughs> guinea pig um, and he does snore a little so I made him try it so we got two machines and we both put them on and we were joking that we're because we're scuba divers so we, we always say goodbye at the surface <laughs> of the water before we go down so as he was putting machine on he said goodnight he's like I'm going down <laughs> put his mask on and we were laughing so we both put him on uh you know turned on him she kind of rolled over to fall asleep well i like you know the honeymoon's over when we're both putting on our seatbacks and rolling over (laughs) so i couldn't hear his and i thought he's not wearing it you know so (laughs) i looked over at him it was on he was sound asleep couldn't believe i couldn't hear it i couldn't tell if he had it on or not i think that's good to know because i think that when it comes to this, I know for me personally, because you have told me, get sleep studies, which I'm getting a sleep study. I have an order for a sleep study. But I think our mentality is, that means I'm old. Uh-huh. You know, that means, oh, I'm not going down that road, you know. Um, yeah. So you have that mentality. Then yep. you think, it's going to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and it's going to be loud, mm-hmm. and it's going to be cumbersome, all these things. So I think it's really important to say, Gosh, it's not, it's like... My health is worth more than that. So much more than that. And and it's not uncomfortable, and you will be able to sleep, and it is quiet. But I think about, okay, meal prep services are everywhere now, right? Because you don't have time, right. and you want to eat well. So, okay, they're popping up everywhere because people need them, want them. Well, it's kind of like meal prep for sleep, right? It's like this CPAP is going to get you to sleep. And I will sleep, get good sleep. Yeah, yeah. you're going to get good sleep. So yeah. you need it. We have to change a shift that perspective to understand that uh, if I have dietary issues, nutritional issues, I'm going to go to a nutritionist right. or a dietitian yeah. and get some professional guidance because I have to eat better. 
Same thing with sleep. And more than one patient has told me that when they first got their CPAP machine, they were thinking, oh gosh, how is this gonna go? And that now they look at it with love. And they <laughs> said love. it, I mean, I'm repeating what they said. They say, I look at my CPAP machine with love because I know that I'm about to put it on and get a great night's sleep. That's and so cool. One of my patients even took it camping. Really? She got a long extension cord <laughs> plugged in. And you can buy batteries. So I found it was about $300. It's, it looks like a small iPad and it's a battery for the CPAP machine. You can't use the cigarette lighter. It's not strong enough. Okay. So it's a battery for the CPAP that will blow for two hours. Oh. Interesting. It is interesting. And mm -hmm. I think about how many breast cancer survivors struggle with chemo brain. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. as I just related that story to you of how you don't sleep right. while you're going through chemotherapy and how it disrupts your sleep pattern for a long time afterwards. And I'm all just like all this, yeah, all this stuff is just going through my head like, oh my gosh, could that have something to do with it? Yeah. It's like, can I go get a CPAP over at Home Depot right now? <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow, I'm going to get on this. <laughs> I'm getting obsessed about I'm going to feel good. I'm going to yeah. look good. <laughs> Seriously. This is, I, I could talk about this all day Same. long. It's Same. fascinating. This but in summary, hours. This, one of the critical pillars of good health is good sleep hygiene absolutely yeah so if you have sounds like if you have anything that bothers you get a sleep study mm -hmm. and see if you can rule out whether or not you are actually sleeping the right way a healthy way and maybe you can improve your life by just getting a little more good sleep absolutely thank you absolutely. so much this has You're been so awesome welcome. and so fun i'm gonna have you back like You're every welcome. week and talk about more stuff i'd love to Okay, I think that was my favorite episode ever. Well, the both of these episodes in the series, actually. I, first of all, love talking with Dr. Green. She's amazing. I love sleeping. It's amazing. And honestly, I could use better sleep. So I had no idea of that deep impact that having restless sleep could cause. And so I'm really excited. I think I mentioned earlier that I did call my doctor. I have a referral for a sleep study. So I am going to keep you posted on that. And I'm excited also because I've received several emails and direct messages from people who heard the part one of this series. And like me, were shocked to hear this physician talking about how important and how significant proper sleep is for you or the one snoring next to you, right? So for both of you, no matter what, if that's the case. So I hope this episode gave you a lot more insights onto how to move forward with the sleep study to support your health or the health of a loved one that's keeping you awake at night. Now, as promised, I wanted to give you an update on Revivify. I said on, on the show it was going to open in January. Then I came back and said, oh, it's going to open in February. And let me tell you, there is a lot going on behind the scenes on this new version of Revivify. And it is going to open for enrollment in February. I want to give you an exact date, but it's probably going to be towards the end of next week. And I can't give you an exact date because some technology is having some not issues, but we're working through it. We're working through it. And I want to make sure that everything is working before I start enrolling people in the program. So I've got some great stuff coming up. I've got a wonderful webinar that's coming up. It's a free one hour webinar that's going to talk a lot about the things that we need to do to get our health and our mindset in the right place after breast cancer. So look forward to hearing about that. Thanks to all of you who are getting on the Revivify list. And I want to tell you right now, it is amazing. And I want to thank the dozens of women who have already gone through Revivify and given me their feedback and their comments on what they liked, on what they wanted more of. And this version of Revivify is just 10 times the version of what it was before. And it's all thanks to these amazing women who I absolutely love and am so grateful for. So look forward to it. Go to my website, lauralummer.com. Get on the Revivify waitlist to make sure you don't miss any of the email notifications about the webinar and when the, the enrollment is open and ready for you. And for those of you who are on that Revivify waitlist, I am going to have a special surprise for you. As I mentioned last week, I'm not even sure what it is now, but I'm tossing around a couple of things just because I want to show you how much I appreciate you taking the time to do that and 
how much I appreciate your patience. I know when you want to start a program, you want to start it now. And um, I've learned a lot in putting a date out there before I understand the, the background dynamics of a bigger course. But trust me, it's going to be worth it. And we're going to have a great time because I'm going to work through this program together with y'all. So get on the wait list, lauralummer.com, and go on over to my Facebook. Find me as Laura Lummer on Facebook. Get into the Breast Cancer Recovery Group. In that group, you make sure and not miss any updates. You'll get to engage with other breast cancer survivors, like-minded women, and build a community where we can support each other in a thriving mindset after breast cancer. There's a lot of stuff that we have to go through and a lot of side effects that happen to us because of what we have to do. We have to, well, we choose to do because we choose to live longer. And having a community to bounce your ideas and concerns off of, to hear of other women's experiences, and to support having a healthy mindset as we go through this period of recovery is so critical. You know, one of my favorite quotes is that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And we don't want to continue suffering through breast cancer recovery. We want to understand ways to move past the pain and move into the best version of our lives we can possibly live because we know firsthand and only too well that life truly is very short. So I will look forward to seeing you on the wait list. I look forward to seeing you in the Breast Cancer Recovery Group, and I will look forward to making definite date announcements to you next week because I am really, really excited about this. So thank you for listening, and go get some sleep. Go get a sleep study and come over to the Breast Cancer Recovery Group and let me know how it went. I'd love to hear this. It's so cool. And I'll talk to you again next week. You've put your courage to the test. Laid all your doubts to rest. Your mind is clearer than before. Your heart is full and wanting more. Your future's at the door. Give it all you got. No hesitating. You've been waiting all your life. This is your moment.